Welcome to the Real Estate Podcast with Robert Eichert. Today I have a guest from Dallas, Texas, William Lowe, Chairman, President, and CEO of Harmony Bank. And a little bit about um, Bill's background. He's the President and CEO of Harmony Bank for two months. So he's new. We'll explain that in a minute. Um, He was with Texas Brand Bank for 15 years and one month as President and CEO, two years, uh, he was executive vice president also at Texas Brand Bank, a partner at UMT Holdings before that, president of Capital Reserve Corporation before that, which was the largest residential hard money lender in Texas. Um, before that, he was a senior vice president at Abrams Center National Bank. So um, he's a graduate of the Southwestern Graduate School of Banking. He has his diploma in banking. He has a a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Texas at Dallas, great school. Um, My uh, son will be going there soon. So um, he's a certified lender, business banking, and he volunteers with the Dallas, Southern Dallas Development Fund. So that's a long and distinguished career, Bill. Certainly long. I'm not sure quite how this is, but certainly long. <laughs> well, thank you for being the guest today. And, Thanks um, for having me. You're welcome. Uh, now, this is a real estate podcast, so we, tr- we try to like focus mo- mostly on real estate. But really, the guests want to know a little bit about you. That was kind of like a formal about your professional background. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Bill? Sure. Um, I uh, moved here when I was about four years old. My folks were from Texas, but had been transferred. Okay. And, um, I went to school here, starting elementary school here, uh, and went to school all the way up to college at UT Dallas, and oh, then okay. graduate banking school at SMU. All so right. I've really never left. Um, the only times I haven't lived in Dallas was I lived in Garland for a while, and I lived in Richardson for a while. So right. I'm, I'm a Dallas boy. That's good. Um, pretty much my whole life has been here. Pretty much my whole life has been lending money. Uh, almost exclusively with small banks. Okay. And uh, you mentioned earlier about that I've been with Harmony Bank two months. Uh, <laughs> that's a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, <laughs> uh, Texas Brand and Harmony Bank merged. Okay. Uh, uh, back about four weeks ago today, actually. Right. And um, we adopted their name at the time of the merger. All right. So uh, going forward, it'll be Harmony Bank. Correct. Okay. And, uh, but I was able to retain my position as, as Chief Executive Officer of the bank. Okay. Um, not a lot of difference between what we were doing as Texas Brand and what we're going to be doing as Harmony Bank. Okay. Uh, the big difference is we're now twice the size we were, and we have twice as many offices, and we have twice as large a lending limit. And I assume a bigger footprint? Uh, much bigger footprint. We, da- Our office, Texas Brand, was only in Dallas. We have five offices in, in and ar- around downtown, basically. Uh, Harmony Bank's offices are primarily south and east, they're in Ellis County, Henderson County, Kaufman County. All right. So um, we're we're expanding. Dallas and DFW area is experiencing tremendous growth, from what I've seen. I mean, is that what you've seen on the on the lending side? Absolutely. You know, in my opinion, Dallas is the finest market in the country. Um, certainly, while I don't spend a lot of time traveling to other markets, I can tell you anything you read would tell you that that there is no better market than Dallas. Right, anywhere, anywhere, maybe in the world, certainly in the United States, and you, that's not just talk either. I've mm-hmm. I've I've reposted some articles 
uh, to that effect. Um, it's just there's some amazing things about the statistics. I do commercial uh, leasing, and um, so I can't tell. I don't. Let's just say somebody's coming in for a brand new lease, um, or an, from a on a vacant unit. Mm -hmm. I would say, I don't want to be exaggerating, but probably about 30% of the people are from California. I'm not making that up. I would think so. Yep. Probably another 10 or 15 at least from Chicago, I'm guessing. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, depending on which numbers you believe, the, the, the DFW Metroplex is growing somewhere in the range of 150,000 people a year. Put another way, we're basically adding a city the size of Frisco to the Metroplex every single year. Wow. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so um, there, there's been a lot going on in the news. Banks have been first and foremost in the news and at the top of everybody's minds. Um, so can, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with the, the banking industry? And I know we've just been through a banking crisis with right. Silicon Valley banks. and Sure. Well, everything in banking was very, very stable, as you know, from about 2014 through 2020 or so. Then the pandemic hit. The federal government, uh, Federal Reserve, essentially flooded the economy with trillions of dollars. And all the banks, as a consequence, just basically pumped up, blew up, built up, whatever term you want to use, right. with money. Um, while you certainly made any loans that you could, um, you couldn't make enough loans to keep up with the influx of money. And so what happened was many banks, uh, some banks exclusively, some banks a little, bought government bonds with the money. Again, that's supposed to be the safest investment a bank can make is a government <laughs> bond. Well, the way bonds work, if you don't know, I'll explain, most people do, or a lot of people do. Oh, we is, like to explain things because okay. we have very young listeners and sure. a wide sure. range of listeners. Right. So we don't want to assume anything in these podcasts. <laughs> sure. So the value of a bond is purport is inversely proportional to the rate. So let's say if you have a thousand dollar bond at one percent and the rate in the market's one percent, your bond's probably worth a thousand dollars, right? Right. Par value. Par value. <laughs> what happens if the market rates five percent to your value of bond? Right. <laughs> it goes in the ditch, right? Yes. So uh, essentially, that's exactly what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. They had more money. They grew, I think they grew their deposits four times in two years. They literally couldn't loan the money out fast enough. So they bought government bonds. And then they got saddled with them when the rates went up. Yeah. Now, the mistake they made was, you know, they bought, number one, they bought real long-term bonds. Oh. Okay. Chasing higher yields. All right. And number two, they didn't put on any kind of a hedge or, or anything to protect themselves in the case interest rates rose real rapidly. Right. Now, in their defense, interest rates have only risen as rapidly as they had this year one other time in our history. I mean, the prime oh, rate... Oh, is that right? Yeah, the prime rate is up 5% in the last 14 months. From wow. three and a quarter to eight and a quarter. And of course, that's, that's got... That's, it, yeah, th say that one more time. Yeah, the prime rate is up 5%. How much? In the last 14 months. That That is a shocker when you say it, it that way. It is. The only time that ever happened was back in like 1980 when they were trying to break inflation the last time. Yeah. And the prime rate got all the way up to 21. Right. Uh, 
Um, My dad talked about those days. But so what's happened is that's had tremendous effect. It, it wiped out the value or, or hammered the value of a lot of bonds, mm -hmm. which many banks were holding. And it's also had a tremendous impact on your industry, right. real estate industry. Right. Because, you know, you, you have a project and if it works just fine at four and a quarter percent borrowing, it might not work so fine at eight and a quarter or ten and a quarter percent borrowing. Right. The numbers may not pan out. Exactly. And... One of the things that a lot of people are scared about right now is there is literally hundreds of billions of dollars of loans, primarily office buildings, coming due over the next two, three, four years. And these loans were written at two, two and a half, three, three and a half percent. Mm -hmm. And you couple that with the demographic changes that have occurred because of the pandemic, the work from home movement, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So now, now you've got this office building that you paid X dollars for and you financed it three and a half percent. And now it's 70% lease or 60% lease, and the rate goes to 9%. You can imagine what happens to the value of your office building. Well, there's going to be a lot of REO property. Well, I don't want to speak in acronyms. Why don't you explain sure. what REO means? REO is real estate owned. Basically, that's a fancy name for a foreclosure by a bank or a bank. Yeah, or bank owned. Correct. REO and, property. You know, you're, you're starting to see this already. I read an article yesterday, and I'm not picking on them, but massive price cutting on offices in San Francisco, Seattle. San Francisco particularly, they've got lots of buildings running 30, 40, 50% vacancies. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's not an anomaly there because there's just so much street life. But yeah. it could. I, I don't know that it's real pleasant going into the office right. in some places. Well, and I think, I think they have it twofold. Number one, the street situation, which is bad in San Francisco, but in San Francisco and in, in Seattle, I think you have both. The other big issue is the tech uh, situation. Oh, yeah. A lot of layoffs in the tech industry. Yes. You know, you look so, you know, we work, right? Mm -hmm. Just one example, not to pick on them, but, you know, you know, they've laid off a ton of people. Right. You know, even Amazon and some of the others have laid Microsoft, off. Microsoft. Yeah. Um, pretty much across the board. The Correct. Tech, I've noticed the tech companies have been shaving off. Big tech labor, yes, big right. tech, yes. And um, you know, uh, you know, at one time uh, Uber was going to occupy a brand new tower over in Deep Ellum, if you recall. That's right. That's not going to happen. Okay, I didn't so know that. So they're trying to sublease that. So, you know, a lot of a lot of cross currents going on in the banking and real estate industry. And the reality is, for better or worse, the two are kind of tied at the hip. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, there's, they are. There's an old saying in in banking, you know, is that the, the developers will borrow as long as the bankers will lend. <laughs> and um, I think you're seeing now that, that bank lending is cutting back very sharply. Um, many banks have stopped entirely. Most banks have at least slowed down or cut back. Now, what does that mean exactly? Have the banks stopped or has the demand stopped? You or know, both? I think to a degree both. I think, I think there's still demand out there. Clearly, at, at the current rates, not as many projects are viable as would be at lower rates. But uh, I think there's some banks that have basically just pulled out. For all practical purposes. Of real estate. Uh, of lending of any kind, particularly real estate. Because you actually have the same problem with rates on the other side. Let's say you don't ha you don't have a real estate company. Let's say you make widgets. Whatever. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, how much money are you going to borrow at nine to make widgets versus at four? Right. Does it still make sense for you to, right. to make widgets? Or, changes the economics of everything. Or tractors. or right. it, it doesn't matter what it is right. that you make. It changes the economics. Um, well, the thing is, um, 
Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like you say, it's not real estate. It, it's it's the whole economy. It's affecting across the board. I mean, even a car loan probably is up. Um, I haven't checked, but they're probably up. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're seeing some other signs too that are concerning. You know, there's some uh, increases in past dues and repossessions of automobiles, increases in delinquency rates on credit cards. Because you got to remember, not just businesses, but the consumer. There was a flood of money, as I said, came into the economy oh, yeah. from 2021, et cetera. And it's pretty much been dissipated from what they can, you know, the, what I read. And so folks are struggling. And yeah. it's, just, it's a sad thing, but uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a fact. Well, what, this is an international um, real estate podcast, but like you were saying before, being in Dallas, Texas is not a bad place to be during, during bad times. It's the best time. I, it's the best place I could imagine. And as long as we continue to have the influx of people that right. we're having, I think. And it's not just people. It's it's businesses, businesses too, and of corporations. Course, of course, they kind of come hand in hand. But right. Um, you know, for example, you know, everybody two, three, four, five years ago would have predicted that there were that apartments were being overbuilt in Dallas, right? Right. It 90, did seem like that. Yeah. Ninety-five, ninety-six percent occupancy rates. Right. Even so, that's that's as much as you can expect. Well, they're build, they're building you know three, four, five thousand houses in Dallas a year, uh, maybe ten. If you have one hundred fifty thousand people move here, yeah, where are they going to go? That's true, and um, I think we're getting a little bit better um, people uh, in terms of e- the econ- economics and the wealth of the people coming here than. They're not, they don't seem like they're just, um, in other words, what I'm trying to say is there's people of means coming here. It's Clearly. not, it's not Clearly. just people just desperate, like kind of like the great depression where they loaded up a tray, a buggy or something and went, sure. to, went somewhere. This, these are people that are coming here with a lot of money. I think one thing we're seeing, for example, you know, depending on who you believe somewhere between 30 and 40% of the, of the house sales in Dallas are for cash. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's crazy. It doesn't really matter that the mortgage rates doubled if you're paying cash, right? Right. No, it doesn't. Uh, it certainly doesn't affects all. It affects people that are buying starter homes, second homes, first home, second home, whatever. Uh, but particularly to your point about the the influx of people from California, right. you know, they sell their house out there, you know, for what they think is a fair price. They can come to Dallas, get double or triple the same the size house, pay cash for it, and still put money in the bank. Right. And it's very appealing to a lot of people right now. Um, we actually went through, in my age, we went through the same phenomenon back in uh, the late 70s when J.C. Penney moved here from Dallas. Oh, okay. From New York. Due to what, when was this? In the late 70s. Oh, okay. And, they, and what happened? Same thing. So they sold their place in Manhattan. Oh, okay. Went to Plano, saw they could buy, you know, <laughs> a five, six, eight thousand foot house and put half their, half their house proceeds in the bank. <laughs> and... However, it wasn't all it, it wasn't all roses for them because right. they did all this and then summer came. And they, <laughs> so they they found out it was a little different. It gets a little warm here in the summer, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, if if, particularly from you're from New York. <laughs> well, um, well, uh, the interest rates and the the we have a, a lot of people don't realize this, but we have more high tech than Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. in Dallas. And um, but I assume that's affecting us in a certain way too because of the high tech. I would think so. Cuts. I mean, uh, we don't do a lot of high tech lending, so I'm, oh, okay. I'm probably not an expert. Okay. I, 
for your show, I guess it's good. Most of what we do is real estate-based lending. So, Well, let's talk about, about that, that for a minute. Um, what um, percent What um, percent of your um, loan portfolio is, like, you, can you tell me, like, commercial, residential? Yeah, sure. Um, well, we're almost exclusively a commercial bank. Okay. We have very little residential. Now, with our merger, that's going to change. Oh, okay. Because Harmony Bank has a very big home mortgage department. Oh, okay. We did not. So that's a product that we'll be offering. All right. Uh, converse, well, that's good. Conversely, they were not active in the commercial real estate market. And so, oh. So we can help with that. Oh, okay. I see but, where you guys have the synergy going on there. Correct. But we're probably about 75% real estate lending okay. and about 25%, call it regular banking. Right. You know, accounts receivable, inventory, equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So you're all business. All business. <laughs> all right. Well, that's good. Um, now, in terms of the businesses around here, um, I haven't noticed, I mean, there might, we do have a lot of high tech. We have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff sure. here in, in DFW, but I haven't noticed a lot of layoffs or um, unemployment. In fact, I've noticed the opposite. Mm -hmm. I've noticed help wanted signs yeah. in a lot of places. Yeah, in a lot of places I think you find that there's not there's not enough workers. As a matter of fact, if you go to restaurants mm -hmm. uh, very often, you'll you'll see that many of them have cut their hours back yes. or have cut back. Maybe they close one day a week right. or maybe they're now only open for dinner or what. I saw, I've seen signs that said, sorry, have to close early, you know, not enough help. Right. And uh, uh, that's a challenge. Well, I talked to a restaurant um tenant one time and I said, you know, you guys would make a great breakfast here. Why don't you utilize your space more? And he says, I don't have the staff sure. to do that. He says, I can't staff a breakfast. Well, it's a surprising fact. People are, are, are astounded. Dallas, Texas has more restaurants per capita or per person than any other city in the United States. I don't know why that <laughs> I is. I believe it. I don't I know why it. that is. I think and I read there's like 17,000 in just Dallas. Or, I don't know. Yeah, it's, something like that. Yeah. It's just ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And yet there's almost always a wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's always a choice, though, too. That's sure, one of the good absolutely. things. Um, I know you're not the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, but it doesn't hurt to promote no. the good things about Dallas. And there are a lot of good things, a lot of good bars and restaurants and entertainment and sports. And, um, and I think we're moving rapidly up the culture curve, too. You know, that was yes. not a big thing here for a long time, but that's right. coming. Uh, lots of changes in Dallas. 20 years ago, I think 300 people lived in downtown Dallas. Now it's like 15,000. Wow. Uh, that's a big change. Uh, I didn't realize it was so low 20 years ago. Yeah, it's like there was one building basically that had people in it. Oh, okay. Um, you know, another big change in Dallas is the condominium uh, housing. 20, 25 years ago, that was basically nothing, non-existent. And now it's a very popular thing in Dallas. Uh, you know, condominiums, you know, you can you know have ups and downs or bet goods and bads, but the fact is, you get a lot more houses, you know, per square foot or per acre of land than you can with single-family homes. Yes. And that's been a big change here in Dallas in the last 20 years that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen also, like, these housing, residential housing developments just go up and, boom, they're just all sold. Right. Just mm -hmm. seems like overnight almost. Mm -hmm. Or pre-sold. Right. And I don't think that's really stopped. Well, I think there's still a housing shortage. The city has changed so much. I mean, when I when I was a young man, a kid, you know, I watched them build LBJ. Yeah. And, you know, that was about as far out as anybody went, okay? <laughs> and now, you know, a first-time homebuyer, I mean, you're probably looking at it going to Keller or Prosper or Forney right. or something like that, which 
you know, when I was high school, junior high age, I mean, that was in the country. Right. And now it's part of the city. So it's a serious difference. Well, um, what, what is it, what is it, the appeal of Dallas and or DFW? What, what is the appeal sure. to, that you would see that an uh, outside business or an outside um, individual might sure. look at? You know, again, I think it's uh, the, the fact that so many people have come here and, and done so well. I mean, one of the things that's always I've always thought about Dallas is the fact that Dallas is basically exists only for business. You know, we don't have a beach. <laughs> don't have any mountains. There's really not anything to do here but go to work, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And there's no distractions. And so, you know, that's, Dallas has just been a constant boom town for right. businesses. Obviously, in Texas, you know, we have no, no state income tax. Dallas has no city income tax. Uh, very low regulations by comparison with many states. Um, and cities. Yeah. And cities. And, and I think a very business-friendly atmosphere. And these things kind of feed on themselves both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when cities start having problems, like some of the ones we mentioned earlier in California and uh, Illinois, you know, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more people that leave, then they raise the taxes, so more people leave, so they raise yeah. the taxes. More people. Same thing happens in reverse, and that's what's happening, I think, in Dallas. The more people move here, the better it gets. The more jobs there are, the more tax revenue there is, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Now... You get some things that are not so great. You know, obviously, you know, the crime rate becomes a problem. Infrastructure becomes a big problem. Roads and schools, uh, traffic. Well, I'm not here to beat up Austin today because I, I went to school there. I met my wife there. and um, But it just seems like Austin, we're getting very local here, but that's all right. Um, Austin was not built. To, I, I mean, I, I went to school here a long time ago or in Austin. And then I also, my sisters lived here forever. So I've seen both cities and I also went to SMU, but the law school, I took some extra tax classes after law school. Um, Anyway, the, what I've noticed is that, or what I've seen is Austin never wanted to grow, but they grew anyway. But Dallas, I don't think ever had that problem. Right. What what is your opinion? You have a much better view on that. I would agree. I I think Dallas was built to grow. I mean, for example, I mean, when I was younger, I mean, you too. I mean, Collin County, Plano, et cetera, was just a little bitty town. Right. Frisco was non-existent. And now there's, I don't know how many p- million people in Collin County. Yeah. Uh, the, st- the statistics that I've seen say that in 20 years, Denton County will be as, as populous as Dallas County. Wow. Yeah. And so, plus, you know, the other thing we have here is the space. I mean, if you think about it. Right. You know, DFW is... I don't know how big it is, but I mean, it's probably close to about the size of Rhode Island or something. I mean, just oh just, yeah, physically, yeah, physically. Yeah. And so, and, and you know, if you get in a plane or a helicopter and get up above it, even though you think it's crowded and all, you can see just how much land is still out there and right. available. That's true. There is, and and we are growing in every single direction: north, it's, south, east, and west. Correct. It's, and. Uh, but I do, I mean, there are lakes, there are some, it is pretty around here, and the trees are pretty, and I like, sure. the, I like the lakes, and we have a lot of lakes here, a lot seems of lakes. like to me. Yeah. Um, some good for fishing, some more for, um, like, um, water sports and whatnot Correct. like that. But, um, so, as a, as a, tell us a little bit more about your career as a lender. Sure. Okay, have you always, I mean, I know I read it. Um, your 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 deal. You've mostly been in in the C suite. It looks like to me. Well, not mostly for for a while. I'm, oh, okay. Uh, I, 
you know, I had to pay my dues and, and right. work my way up too. I spent probably twenty plus years starting from the very, very bottom in banking up into becoming a senior lender. Okay. Uh, before I was able to step into the, to the executive management. And w- what did you like most about what anything any type of lending you enjoyed looking Just, at more uh, than another? Pr- probably real estate. I like the idea of loaning money and watching something get built. Oh yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it. You know, it didn't matter if it was a house or a building or a, or a retail center or office or a warehouse or what. It didn't matter. Just the fact that, you know, seeing, and even today I can drive by and say, you know, when I finance that or I finance yeah. this. Uh, I'm sure the, guy, the person that built it gets a big charge out of it, too, because right. they really did the work. But the fact that we were able to participate in it meant a lot to me. And That's great. I've always enjoyed it, and I've always had kind of a bias towards real estate lending. Oh, okay. Uh, That's good. Yeah, it is exciting from that standpoint. That's why I like working in it. Um, at Jim Lake Companies, of course, mm-hmm. we do um, urban redevelopment. Right. And um, we we're doing um, we're working on Cedar Hill right now, and we've done Waxahachie, and right. Um. So, and also downtown in Bishop Arts, sure. and, and so um, it is nice to see. It's also nice to see take that a step further. What we do is we don't tear it down. We we right. we to keep it. We right. keep the the historical aspects as much as possible on, yeah. on many buildings. I mean, not, not everything we have is historical. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah, some well, we, we've always had very much of a similar interest and in, in a similar uh, bent to our philosophy in that um, we have established banks in redeveloping or um, growing, you know, renewing type, urban renewing type areas. As you probably know, you know, we started in Garland originally and then we came here to Uptown when it was still... Not near like it is now. Actually, years. I don't know the whole history, oh, so I'll, I'll I'm, tell I'm you. glad okay. for you to tell it. All right. Well, the bank, the bank started in, uh, Texas Brand originally okay. started in Garland. All right. And then we uh, bought this office here in Uptown. Okay. Uptown was nothing like it is now 10 years ago. Oh, it's beautiful right. here. Uh, after the subsequent to that, we opened the first and only bank in the Cedars. Oh, okay. Uh, we're actually moving from our temporary facility into a new, uh, new building here uh, next year. Okay. So we're very excited about that. We're still the only bank in the Cedars. Oh, wow. Um, uh, after that, we opened a, ba- a branch in Deep Ellum, where we're the only bank. Okay. Uh, and then after that, we opened one in Bishop Arts, where we're yes. the only community bank. There's another one of our big bank brethren there. but I was there like right. a week ago okay. at that branch. But, you know, as a consequence, what's happened is we're in these areas, two things. One, we have now basically surrounded da- downtown, mm-hmm. which was our goal. Okay. Uh, we didn't. We're not big enough to compete downtown, but we knew we could compete in the outskirts. So we've now are northeast, south, and west of downtown. And number two, we're basically in areas where there's no bank, which always appealed to me and made sense to me. Yes. Uh, now with this merger, we're able to tap into uh, a lot of markets we weren't into before. As I said, we are now have offices in Waxahachie, Ennis. Uh, awesome. We have offices at Cedar Creek Lake in Kemp and, and Seven Points. Uh, we also have an office in Italy in uh, Ellis County, and we have a ro- office in R- uh, Rice, Texas, in Navarro County. And oh, so kind okay. of south and east uh, up here. Oh, all right. And so we're looking forward to the growth, and as I said, the new products, the bigger size, gives us a lot more uh, horsepower to do banking business. Well, I think there's more bandwidth for growth in some of these other places as well. I mean, we although so. Dallas does have a lot of, I think we have more land than any city 
major metro right. city in the country, I read at some point. Well, I think Urban I, land. For example, I think I read that DFW Airport is basically the size of Manhattan Island. <laughs> I, you know, it's like it's huge. however many tens or tens of thousands of acres that it is. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, and I, think, I, I think Dallas County is literally roughly the size of Rhode Island. So, well, I mean, I don't even feel like we live in a city. I, I feel like we live in North Texas. Mm-hmm. When you really want to exactly. talk about it, that's kind of a different way to talk about it. But um, it, yeah, it really is. I mean, if you keep going north, you don't run out of city until you hit Oklahoma. I mean, there doesn't seem much blank land between D- DFW and Oklahoma. Now. <laughs> you know, when I when I went to UT when the, when I went to UT Dallas, I remember it was interesting because I was out there and course during the winter you know there was basically nothing from there you know from there all the way north as far as you could go okay and it was uh, in richardson yeah, still, right uh-huh. yeah okay and there was there was nothing and uh wow one of the coldest places i ever remember actually in the winter time but um now it's just it's, pure city yeah it just keeps going and going and going and going and they keep pushing further and further and further and further right uh, i guess you know what 380 used to just be a little country road. Now it's a major, you know, right. urban loop. Yes. Well, um, so the, the the banking crisis, um, a lot of people don't understand that. Some people got really scared, mm-hmm. started taking money out of the bank even. Right. I know that that's a fact, that right. people were doing that. Um, and then other people would say, I, I heard so many opinions. I heard different opinions on news, sure. news shows and whatnot. Some would say, well, it's very contained. It's, it's, um, and they, the feds jumped in and stopped and bailed out. But, um, what I, well, I guess what my question is, is it, are we done seeing these huge banks fail? Do you think, or do you, what, what are yeah, your Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that, uh, obviously banks are very much tied to the economy. And if the economy turns, takes a turn for the South, I think you could see some more bank struggle. Right. But, the three banks that failed, um, Silicon Valley, First Republic, and Silvergate, I think, all were very each very separate situations, very specialized. Okay. Um, Silicon, it's only been three so far. It's only three, yeah. Silicon okay. Valley specialized in tech industries. Right. And when the first tech person said, hey, I'm worried, let's take our money out, then they all did. Oh, yeah. Okay. At one point, just to put this in perspective, you know, Silicon Valley suffered, from what I read, a withdrawal of 25% of their deposits in one day. Wow. That's panic. That's panic, right. First Republic, their situation was totally different. They attracted a very wealthy clientele on the basis of, uh, you know, Robert, if you'll leave leave all your money here and check it, I'll make you a jumbo mortgage at 2.5%. Right, right. Where you bring all your business to them. Yeah, so that sounded like a good deal. And then all of a sudden... (laughs) You found out you could make 5% on your money, so you took all your money out. First Republic was still stuck with all the 2.5% mortgages. Oh, okay. Doesn't I work. get it. And then the situation Silvergate, I think it's Silvergate, I hope that's right, uh, was really tied to crypto. Oh, okay. Issues. So they're, they're, they're very much a one-off now. Right. To, to your point, you know, banking is very much a trust-centered business. And the reality is that you know, you know, any bank can be the victim of a, of a bank run, particularly now with the, the digital banking and the social media and all that stuff. You know, you've seen pictures in the 30s and 40s of people lined up outside their bank, you know, right. on a bank run. Well, now it's just like that. Yeah. And so 
But the banking system is strong. It's in good shape. It's healthy. Very few weak loans. Well, I, I think also the country's strong. Um, we don't have to get into politics. It can go either way, but I'm just looking at the big picture. We, we're, we have another generation coming. Some countries cannot say that. True. They can't say we have more generations on the way. Um, they got real demographic problems mm-hmm. coming down the pipe. Uh, we have natural resources. We're, we're completely wealthy. We can feed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go on and on about some of the benefits of the United States, but, um, we have two. We have two oceans on the other side of us as well. Right, which can be a buffer and also a benefit, and Absolutely. and all that. That's a good point. And we could go on and on with the the things that are that I see that are positive about the United States in the future. Right. Um, I think they asked Warren Buffett one time about about the United States, and he just says, "I I would not bet against the United States ever, ever." <laughs> he never has. No, he hasn't. And he's become arguably, you know, not the richest man in the world. Certainly one of them. You're right. And uh, certainly made his shareholders wealthy uh, by believing in America. And it's interesting. He's an interesting person. If you think about it, the companies that have made him rich are like Coca-Cola and companies like that. Right. All American companies. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think about Wrigley's gum. He bought that. (laughs) Things you wouldn't think of. But um, so we, we live in Dallas and... You you know a lot about Dallas. What 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 do you think is attracting people? You said also the the low taxes and things like that. But um, are you seeing development like continue the retail development to continue? Not re, I meant to say residential mm-hmm. development as well as commercial development. Are you seeing it continue strong? Absolutely. Or I don't I don't really have a real good pulse on on all that. Absolutely. From what we can see, the builders are basically selling houses as fast as they can get them up. The problem is it's taking longer and longer to get them up, oh, both okay. because of materials problem and labor shortages. Okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting, even though economic growth in the United States is, is slowed compared to historical standards, you know, the, the unemployment rate is still near an all-time low. Right. And actually, that's a lot of people, they'll judge the whole economy on nothing but that. Right. And it's not a bad way to judge it yeah. in Certainly. a lot of ways. Certainly. I mean, you you're, you have a, bit, a finance degree and... Um, but when the jobs are out, when the unemployment starts rising too high, that's that's a tough one to overcome. Well, you know, I think I think Ronald Reagan was quoted as saying, "Is a recession is when your neighbor loses his job, right. and the depression is when you lose your job." Right. And, right. And so, you know, as long as the unemployment rate remains strong, things look pretty pretty bright. And Dallas and Texas, particularly particularly Dallas, but all of Texas is, I think, the land of opportunity. And I. We welcome folks here. Okay, uh, how big is your? How big is the bank now? The Harmony Bank. Yeah, we're about seven hundred million in assets. Okay. Which uh, we have eleven offices, and even though that sounds like a whole lot of money as banks go, that's still pretty right. small. Well, it's small, but it allows you to not be as bureaucratic as some of the bigger banks. It's you're you would consider yourself a community bank. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and we you know at our size you get to know your customers. Right. You get to remember them. You know, people come in here and they see the same people time after time after time. Right. Um, and, you know, to me, there's nothing. I, I've spent most of my career working in community banks. I've never worked for a big bank. And while I think there's certainly places for big banks, and they have, you know, value, that we, they do things we couldn't, we can't right. do. In or general, don't want to do or also. don't want to do, especially. <laughs> in general, I think the average businessman or businesswoman 
it's much better off with a small community bank. Right. And, you know, we've, we're a little biased. We'd like it to be Harmony Bank. Right. If not, there's lots of quality community banks in the Metroplex. Yes. And uh, if you don't bank at one, I would ask you why you don't, because it's, uh, it's what everyone needs to do, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I, I've also noticed that the I think, personally, from, let's just talk about the banking system altogether, mm-hmm. you're, the, the, the banking system is healthier because of smaller banks, I think. Absolutely. The bigger banks, if you don't ever meet your, you say, I, get, I like to get to know people, well, you probably know, know people and you know more about them. And I guess what my point is, you can know more about your, your customers and it's the C and you want to talk about the five C's and banking or if I can remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. It's character, credit, capacity, capacity, co- collateral and conditions, conditions. Let's talk about character. I'm glad I made that, it. That, yeah. That, I wouldn't have made it, yeah. but I remember those five C's. Sure. Um, so the, the character is what we're kind of going about talking sure. about right now. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think again, those are all important character, but at the end of the day in general, from a lending standpoint, you know, someone that has strong character will do everything in their power to see that their loan gets repaid. Right. Uh, you know, it's easy to, to pay back loans or be a good borrower when times are good. It's, it's harder when times are tough. And right. That's really kind of determines, you know, the, the credits and the people that we, the bank customers that we would like to have is those that would, you know, struggle through and, and continue with their success even in tough times. Actually, Part of this, what's happened with the interest rates is there's been a, a massive drop in bank deposits where money has flown to treasury bonds, treasury bills, money market funds, et cetera. It's come out of the banking industry. And so there's considerably less money to lend. Okay. I did not know that. Yes. But, so the days of where you were over flush with cash, th- those are gone now. Yeah. It's always the same in banking. It's always chicken or feathers. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we have too much money and not, not enough loans, or we have too many loans and not enough money. It's always that way. But um, I assume the demand's gone down a little bit, yeah. too. A little bit, although we're still seeing it. I mean, there's still deals that, that make sense. They pencil out even at today's rates. Right. And we're still looking at them real hard. Now, you know, might you need a little more equity or a little more collateral or et cetera? Sure. Right. Absolutely. But, well, uh, is, it, and is this coming from a bank you're being conservative or the, are the regulators being more conservative? Uh, I think it's banks. I mean, you know... Uh, I'm not going to make any regulatory comments, okay? Yeah, okay. Today, um, <laughs> the regulators have a job to do, and they do it very well. Yeah, that's that's what I'll just say. Okay. Uh, now, now the reality is, we lose, a lot of people lose sight of the fact about the regulators is, is the, <laughs> the regulators don't write the rules. Okay. Um, the regulators are the policemen. All the rules the regulators enforce are written by Congress. Right. So they're so so basically, you know it. it if you're speeding and you get a ticket, don't blame the policeman. I mean, he, right. didn't, he didn't set the speed. Right. Up. Well, it works the same in banking. The regulators yeah. are the policemen or women, and they, they write the tickets mm-hmm. when you break the rules. Right. And, um, but I would say that you know, banking pretty much for the last 5,000 years has been the same. It's a, it's, a, it's a risk business. It's a risk management business. And you know, those that learn to manage risk safely in banking do pretty well. Now the the Fed can control how much your um, core depo- your core deposits sure. or and I mean wh- how do they affect sure. you? What what can well, they do to either free up money or loosen up money sure. that you're subject sure. to? 
Well, the Fed, the Fed has two purposes. They have a regulatory arm, too, primarily big banks. But where they would affect us, and it's very indirect, is the Fed can essentially put money into the system or take it out. And they do that pretty much generally based on what Congress does. Okay. Uh, you know, when, if you have deficit spending, which we've had for 20 years. As far 25, as I can I, see, yeah. You know, I don't think we've had a balanced budget in 25 years, but uh, if there's deficit spending, then the Fed has to make that up by issuing bonds and basically creating money out of thin air. And when they do that, that's what produces inflation. Well, I guess I was asking about, I guess what I was trying to get at was the reserves. Mm -hmm. you, that's right. another thing that affects sure. you, right? Yeah. How, has that, how's that, has that changed or I, I don't, I don't not, not really. That. They've not really pulled that string. I oh, mean, okay. the, Fed, the Fed can loosen the reserve requirements or, or tighten them in, if they want to affect the money supply. But so far it's, it's not been, too much. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Is, um, now, how do people contact you if they want to, um, like, say they're wanting to move to Dallas and they need a bank or a banker? Sure. How, how sure. can they contact you? Well, our website is harmony.bank. My email is william.low at harmony.bank. Okay. And uh, I also wanted to thank today Connor Leach and Cameron Short for their technical assistance thank with you. this podcast. And, um, you know, I think you're going to get some new customers if they hear this podcast and they're coming your way. I'd be happy to talk to any of them. Please give us a call. Come see us online, however you want. Right. And we can also help with your real estate needs at Jim White Company. So thank you all for um, tuning in today, and we'll see you at the next podcast.